Good morning. On March 3rd, 2020, four years ago today, our community woke up to tragedy. In Cookville and the surrounding areas, tornadoes ripped through. 19 people passed away. 25 people in the state of Tennessee. We woke up to those tragic loss and our community was shaken, but not stopped. In the hours of that morning, the days of that week, the weeks ahead, our community surrounded each other, supported each other, encouraged one another, and helped each other. But after that initial surge of service and need was met in many ways, Many of us wondered, what do we do now? How should we act? How should we keep going? We as a community, you who are here that day, but even me and those of us who have arrived since then, can understand and appreciate the difficulty of such a situation. We're thankful that our God, who we follow as the way, Jesus, as we are in the way, speaks about mourning. And helps us to understand the way to mourn. This morning, we could go to a lot of different passages in Scripture that talk about mourning, that talk about loss, that talk about how we deal with these types of things. And this morning, I I just want to briefly talk about three or maybe four points uh, to remind and encourage you. how How does God deal with, how should we deal with mourning? What is the way that God has described and shown us to mourn? As we think about this again Four years later, we think about those men, those women, those children, those family members, those brothers and sisters in Christ, people perhaps that some of us saw frequently, maybe even saw every day, that were lost on that day. And whether or not you suffered a a personal tragedy or a personal loss that day, certainly in the days before or the days after or in days to come, you have or will suffer some sort of loss. And perhaps it will be tragic. So what is the way to mourn? How does God address these types of things? First of all, let's recognize, don't deny your grief. In times of mourning, in times of loss, don't deny your grief. Jesus didn't. In John chapter 11, verses 35 and 36, we know this passage, but it says as Jesus is going to to meet with where his friend Lazarus has died and he's going to to meet with uh, his sisters, Mary and Martha, and they conversate with him. And as he's going there, what does he do? He recognizes his grief. He doesn't deny his grief. And Jesus wept. He wept so much that people notice it. It's not just like a single tear falls from Jesus' eye and it's, it's, it goes unnoticed by everyone. No, the, the people notice Jesus is emotional and they notice that he's crying and it says the Jews were saying, see how much he loved him. Over the last 50 years or so, there have generally been uh, agreed upon five stages of grief by most of uh, the, the people who study these types of things. The first one is denial. Maybe you can think back to uh, that day in, in, in March of 2020 or another time in your life where you've suffered some sort of loss and you can think about, no, there's, there's no way this has happened. There's no way this person is gone. There's no way that this is the situation that I'm facing. When we face grief, we often, if not always, face denial. The second one is anger. We're angry about the situation. 
Maybe we're angry at ourselves for not taking the opportunity to, to have an, uh, an interaction with that person one last time. Or to spend a little bit more time with that person before they passed. Or whatever it may be. Many times perhaps we're, we're angry with God. God, why did this happen? God, why did you allow this to happen? God, why did you even, maybe we say, why did you even do this, God? Anger is a part of grief. The next one is bargaining. And maybe this is something you've experienced, and maybe it hasn't, but uh, especially perhaps right before death, uh, if you have a, a sick loved one, perhaps it's been sick for a long time, or maybe they're, they're sick in a serious manner, maybe you try to, to bargain. Maybe you can bargain with people, maybe you could try to bargain with the doctors, but certainly we would we perhaps bargain with God. God, if you'll just help this person get better, then I will not miss another service, or I'll serve you better, or I'll love you more, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. We try to bargain as we're in the midst of grief. Many times, of course, when that bargaining doesn't work, uh, the next stage of grief is depression. Or we just go into a state, perhaps for a short time, perhaps for a long time, perhaps recurring. Sometimes we're fine, and sometimes we're not. When we remember these folks, we remember the loss. We remember the, the loss of the situation or the blessing or whatever it may be. And we're just depressed by it. And we're frozen in our depression and we can't seem to do much. And finally, the, the last stage of grief. It doesn't, it doesn't happen quickly. These five stages don't, there's not, not necessarily a, an exact starting point or an exact ending point when it comes to, to grief, when it comes to the loss of a loved one or a, a loss of, of peace of mind or whatever it may be. But the last one is acceptance. And that's got to be the hardest one when it comes to tragic losses, when it comes to sudden losses, because we're not prepared for them. We're not prepared for those losses as they come. What I want to, to remind you about or encourage you or let you know that these five stages of grief, they're, they're each of them in some ways, they're an emotion. They're an emotion. It's, it's, it's anger, it's depression, it's denial, it's bargaining, it's, it's all of the emotions that go along with this. And, and again, whether it's, whether it's that day four years ago or whether it's a certain situation in your life, you've all gone through these types of emotions. Or if you haven't yet, if you're, you're blessed and not have, have suffered a loss like this yet, at some point, if you live long enough, you'll have these types of emotions. What I want to encourage you as I think about and encourage you not to deny your grief is that God is not afraid of these emotions. As a matter of fact, he gave you these emotions. God created these emotions. And he created these things because as you go through each of them, all of them, whether they come in steps or whether it comes all at the same time, these things are the way that God has put within your mind, within your person, within who you are to deal with things. And as we deal with things, these will help you. So how do we mourn? First of all, don't deny your grief. Don't deny your anger. Don't deny that you're facing depression. Don't deny that you've suffered a great loss. Secondly, how do we mourn? We need to make sure that we remember. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. It's on page 964 in your pew Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
Four times in those verses, the word comfort is used. God is the God of all comfort. He has comforted us in our difficulties so that we can comfort others uh, in their difficulties with the same type of comfort uh, that we have been comforted with. That word comfort there is, is, you could probably think about it in just the way that you, you, you know, you, the whatever word picture pops up into your mind, but the, the word there is, it's a calling alongside. It is, hey, someone's hurting, you go to them. You wrap your arms around them. And sometimes you might say some words and sometimes you may not say a word at all, but you comfort them. You comfort them with your presence. You comfort them uh, just, just by being there. You, you, you comfort them uh, in the, the things that they are dealing with and the things that they're going through. We know Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, it teaches us to, to weep with those who weep. But, but I also want to recognize that as we, as we mourn and as we remember, that remember Romans 12, 15 also tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. As you're going through a time of mourning, as you're going through a time of loss, whether it be tragic or otherwise, it's important that we realize that, that mourning is not only sadness. There are moments of joy in mourning. There are those times when you remember the good times, the excellent memories that you have with those that you've lost. And as you, as you come alongside someone, you let them guide you. You don't necessarily, you know, if they're in the, the midst of mourning the loss of a loved one, it, it would be unwise, per, perhaps even foolish for you to crack a joke in the moment. But read the room. Recognize the where they're at in, in their mourning process. And if they are bringing up fond memories about a cer- cer- certain situation or a, a lost loved one, then maybe you share some good things that you remember about that person as well. Again, you can think about times when you've lost loved ones. You can think about times when you can remember the, the joy that they had and that they brought to your life. It's important as we mourn to not only weep, though that is important, don't deny your grief, but also to remember the good times. We have memorials, don't we? We've just celebrated a memorial a few minutes ago of our Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. It's important to remember. Jesus commanded us. The apostles showed us. Scripture tells us that we need to do this on the first day of the week. And we do it every single week because it's that important to remember. What what memorials do you have in your life for loved ones? What memorials do you have in your life for those that were lost in various ways? Maybe Maybe it is a place. Maybe it is a, a graveside. Maybe it's a, a community memorial. But what, what things do you have in your life that help you remember those that you've lost? It doesn't have to be a public setting. It doesn't have to be a, a public display. Maybe it's just something every time you see whatever it may be, you remember the person and you're thankful for them. How do we mourn? What do we do? What's the next step after we suffer a loss and we've done all that we can to make the situation better? Again, don't deny your grief. Remember, yes, the difficult times, but also remember the good times. Let me encourage you, Christian, and I can't say this to folks who aren't Christians, but let me say this to you, Christian. Don't deny God's love for you. Don't doubt it. Don't, don't forget that God cares deeply for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. If you want to turn there, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. That's on page 1017 in your pew Bibles. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 
that he may exalt you or he may lift you up at the proper time. And then verse 7 especially, casting all your anxiety or all your cares or all your worries or all your troubles, casting all of those things on him because he does care for you. Now, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of mourning, in the midst of loss, uh, it it is not uncommon as we think about uh, denial and anger, it is not uncommon to question, does God really care? How can God care? How can God care as he sits on the throne in heaven? How can he care about me here on earth? How can I know that he cares? What, what shows that God actually cares? Well, a number of things. Let's remember God's own son. Let's remember that, that God in the form of Jesus left heaven above. Why? Because he cared about us. Because he cared about his creation, because he cared about all mankind, and he, he saw the brokenness and the, uh, the, the tragedy and the, and the loss that, that is the human existence, and he wanted to do something about it. So he left heaven above to come to this earth and to help us. But also remember God's own son, uh, at least born into obscurity, perhaps into poverty. Remember what Jesus says about when, when someone's coming alongside him and wants to follow him. Remember, he describes himself this way. You know, he says the birds have nests and the foxes have holes in the ground, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He wasn't a rich man. He wasn't a, a, a man who, who had a lot of uh, political power or clout. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, in any way, shape or form a, a success by the world's standards. And not only that, but he died a barbaric death. You see, When tragedy happens, whether it was the tornadoes or whether it's something that's happened in your life and some sort of loss, whether it's the loss of life or the loss of a blessing or whatever it may be, we we often have this question that sometimes we're afraid to talk about publicly, but we often have the question, why does God let bad things happen to me? And we think about ourselves as a good person. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? But, But to say that is to deny who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, who never did anything wrong. If there's anyone who's ever walked the face of the earth that was good, it was Jesus. And he's born into obscurity, perhaps born into poverty. He's he's not a very successful person by the world's standards, and he dies a barbaric death and is buried in a borrowed tomb. Bad things happened to Jesus his whole life. To deny that bad things happen to good people because bad things happen to all people is to deny who Jesus is. Don't doubt God's love for you simply because a tragic or bad thing happens to you. Instead, what should we do? Let me encourage you. When bad things happen in times of grief, in times of remembrance, in times of doubt, instead of running from God, run to Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, a familiar passage to many of us. If you want to turn there, you can. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, he says, Hey, I, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have who've already fallen asleep or those who've already died. And he says, if we believe that Jesus has had a resurrection, then we believe we'll have a resurrection too. And what he says there is, we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. Paul goes on to say, comfort one another with these words. Again, for the Christian, and I can't say this to people who are not Christians, but to the Christian, 
We don't have to grieve the same way as people who have no hope because we do have hope. Whatever tragedy it is, whatever difficulty it is, whatever suffering it is, whether it be physical or mental or emotional or financial, we need to understand, Christians, whatever it is, as bad as it might be, and it may be horrible, it is temporary for the Christian. One day, this life, and all of its struggles, and all of its difficulties, and all of the terrible things that have to go with a fallen world, one day it will be over. And for the Christian, we have a hope of something greater. Lastly, this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and following. That's on page 816. Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, page 816. You know these words. Jesus says, come to me, All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning, I don't know exactly where your mind is on the tragedy that happened four years ago. I know we have people here this morning who lost loved ones. People here this morning who thought they were going to lose loved ones, but were among the vast number of folks who didn't die, but were seriously injured. I know that all of you who were here that day, I I can't imagine when you heard the news what you were going through. I can't imagine anything quite like that. I've never experienced anything exactly like that, but but I can only imagine how difficult it was for those of you who remember. The worry, the concern, the care, Maybe it is a heavy burden to you, and maybe you go back to that. And and again, maybe it's not the tornadoes. Maybe it's another loss that you've suffered. Maybe it's another tragedy that you've endured. And you go back to that every so often, and you you worry, and you're concerned about it, and maybe it freezes you. You go back into those moments of depression and anxiety and whatever else it may be. How do we mourn? Do not deny your grief. Go through that. Remember not only the bad times, but remember the many, many good times that you've experienced in those situations, those circumstances, and with those people. But brothers and sisters in Christ, please never doubt God's love for you. Jesus came to this world. God came to this world in the Son because he loves you and cares about you enough to endure all the things that he endured so that we could have the hope of something greater in the future. Will you pray with me? Our God and Father, we come to you this morning and we are, we are thankful for who you are, God. Lord, this morning is a beautiful morning. Lord, we know that four years ago, it was a difficult morning. And we know that those here in this place and many around our community lost a lot. Lost loved ones lost a sense of security, lost a peace of mind, of safety. Lord, we know that in the days and weeks that followed, good things happened. Blessings came about. Opportunities to be servants were had and were fulfilled. God, I know this morning, and I know this this time of of year has to be difficult for many uh, that are here this morning and that are in our community. 
Lord, help us not to deny our grief. Help us to experience it the same way that your son Jesus did as he walked this earth. Lord, help us to remember and to recognize the the bad things of life, but to never lose sight of the blessings that you've given to us through people and circumstances. God, I pray that you'll help us to never doubt your love and that you displayed that to us through the things that your son suffered, not only on the cross, but throughout his life. Lord, we thank you that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, who is the way as we walk in the way, we thank you for the hope that we have of something better beyond this life. Lord, help us to endure difficulty. Help it to help us to grow closer to you and more like your son, Jesus. Lord, when we doubt and when we sin, we pray that you will forgive us and help us to have the courage to stand up and try again. Lord, we thank you for the hope of heaven through the blood of Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you, like me, are going to heaven. You're not there yet, but that's where you're going. Don't forget that. This morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you have not committed your life to Christ, I would challenge you, I would encourage you, I would tell you that the best life that you can live with the most hope that you will ever have is simply by following Jesus. This morning, do you believe that he's the resurrected son of God? Will you name him as the Lord of your life and submit to baptism where all of your sins can be washed away? And that is great. But what's even better, there's a hope of a future. If you're not a Christian this morning, I would encourage you to become one this morning. Brothers and sisters, if you have struggles or doubts or difficulties that you need to let your family here at Jefferson Avenue know about, we want to help you in whatever ways we can. We're going to stand and sing this song. And if you have any needs, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.